Hey guys, what's going on? It's Tom here. Um, episode 20 coming up. Can't believe we're already at 20. So Sean and I today started off with some uh, very, very, very exciting World Cup talk. Uh, then we moved on to pretty much going around MLB, talking trade deadlines, specifically Machado and DeGrom. And then we talked about some of the biggest disappointments as well as uh, some of the biggest surprises in the MLB. Moved on to NFL talk and then... Um, we finished off with some NBA talk. Uh, last thing I got to mention, we're going to say it at the end of the podcast and kind of tease it a little bit during, is um, we have a new website out, sorrysports.com. Um, we got two articles up there. One is an about page and the other one's just a little, uh, a little thing Sean wrote. Um, it's pretty good. So if you guys like reading and not just listening, go ahead and check it out, sorrysports.com. Thank you and enjoy the pod. All right, we are back. It is Sorry to Interrupt Podcast. What's going on, Sean? Tom, what's up, man? Another week, another good conversation today. I Looking forward so. to it. Yeah, um, it feels like it's been way longer than a week, but yeah, it's just been about a week, so let's jump right in. Um, we'll do a little World Cup talk. Oh, God. Um, France won the World Cup. That's it. <laughs> Fine with me. All right. If we don't need um, anything else, you don't want to go break down game by game, match by match. I feel like I would be doing soccer a real disservice if I attempted <laughs> to do that. Um I mean, the 19-year-old kid is like an absolute stud, and he's going to be in our hearts and in our minds for the next 25 years. But aside, I'll look forward to cool. that in 2022. Yeah. <laughs> um, but aside from that, you know, it was an interesting World Cup. I happened to win a little bit of money on it. Besides that, you know, it's there you just go. not our thing. It's hey. just not our thing. Hockey's no. not our thing. It's not our thing. Listen, but I will it needs say to this. Be acknowledged. I don't like soccer. I don't care for soccer at all. But... I acknowledge the fact that it's the biggest sport in the world. And whenever it's the same as the Olympics in my mind, like when world, when, when the whole world is in competition for one trophy, when countries are competing, you know, in the global game, uh, it obviously is important. So just because it's not my thing, I'm not going to be a fraud. I didn't watch hardly a second of it, but congratulations to France. They can say they're champions. They will. I do know that they lost to Germany four years ago. So, uh, they got a little bit of redemption there. So good for them. Uh, we'll see you in four years. Absolutely. So yeah, that was talking soccer. Um, Actually, we got a little bit more out of it than I thought we would. Yeah, that was a really good segment. Um, all right, so moving on, we'll talk some MLB uh, Machado. Let's let's start with that. Um, you know, last week when we were talking, I feel like right when we finished up, um, a couple Bleacher Report alerts came up that the Yankees were interested. They were throwing around some offers. I get the feeling it's a smokescreen, but I, I don't know. I mean, now he's putting up pictures, or Chapman's putting up pictures with him at the All-Star game. He's liking edits of um, him on Instagram with a Yankees uniform on. You know, so you just, you really never know. No, uh, and yeah, exactly. I mean, it was literally the next day after we after we talked, and we were talking about the other options, right? The Dodgers, the Cubs, the package they could put together. You have the Brewers, which are thought to be one of the biggest, uh, most or most attractive teams that could match with them. The Diamondbacks, we analyzed them as trade partners. The Phillies have also emerged as a potential target because they have a lot of um, a lot of good young talent that they could that they could make expendable. I hear you on the smokescreen. A lot of me thinks it is. 
The other part of me is not so sure. I think... My thing is this. this what's it going to take to get him, and what are they willing to give up? They already said they're not willing to give up Frazier and Sheffield, so what's it going to take to give up? So there's, I feel like you're not just going to be able to throw a bunch of B-grade prospects together and get him. Yeah, normally I agree. I, there's a couple layers to this, which I find really interesting. I mean, for first of all... The Yankees' B prospects are about the same as a lot of teams' A's. Now, if you don't include Sheffield, that kind of contradicts what the Orioles have been asking for for since day one. They really want to focus on young, premium pitching. Their rotation is a disaster, as is their bullpen, with the exception of Britain. Uh, Michael Givens is okay, but certainly no, you know, Cy Young winner. So they have. They definitely want pitching. You know, the Yankees are pretty loaded in pitching prospects after Justice Sheffield. Chance Adams has been in trade talks for a long time. Um, they have Domingo Herman, who we've seen, Jonathan Loizaga, who we've seen, uh, and some other guys down in triple and double A um, that could entice the Orioles. I think the other layer to this, too, is this reminds me a little bit, not identical, but a little bit to the Giancarlo Stanton thing. I mean, I think. There's a good chance they get him, but I think there would have to be a couple of factors that would go wrong for other teams that would allow him for, to fall into their laps. Yeah, but I think Stan had a no trade clause, and he Machado did. Doesn't true? He did, and but and not to that same degree. That's why I said it's not necessarily the same thing. But I think the Orioles are going to look around, and you know that Peter Angelos, their owner, does not want to trade with the Yankees. Dan Duquette, their GM, does not want to trade with the Yankees. But that's another reason why I just think like it's going to take like a, a like a blow them out of the water offer for them to even humor it. Even if they take a little bit less class of prospect from Milwaukee, Philly, this out of the third, as long as they're on par with whatever the Yankees are willing to offer, I feel like they would much rather send them to the National League. I think they would too. Um, but I think ultimately they're going to have to make the move that's right for their franchise. And I think a package of a Chance Adams, a Domingo Herman, you know, those are two guys who you could plug right into your rotation. Chance Adams... Maybe he goes to trip. He's a Triple A pitcher for the Yankees, but I think that's because they're protecting him uh, and using him as trade bait. I think he would start with the Orioles. Um, Herman has shown good signs of being a, a solid starter in the major leagues, and then you add some position players like a Tyler Wade, like a Billy McKinney, like a Tyler Austin. Maybe some guys down in single and double A. I know they have some other middle infield prospects like a Tyro Estrada. Um, and uh, a Nick Green who are never going to play for the Yankees in their infield. So those could be interesting. I think it's really going to depend on what the other teams are offering. The tough thing is he's a rental, and and there have been signs that say he might sign with the Yankees. That picture today with the All-Star game he took with Chapman, Severino, and Glaber Torres. you know, he liked that picture of him in a Yankee uniform. His nephew was on MLB saying he wants to see his uncle play for the Yankees. Uh, there's a lot of signs that point to him being a Yankee. I just don't know if it's going to be this July or if it's going to be in the winter. I think it makes sense. He said he wants to play shortstop. This is another layer, right? Well, his idol growing up was Alex Rodriguez. And he wears number 13 for Alex Rodriguez. And Alex Rodriguez works for the Yankees. He's also heavily involved in Major League Baseball. And A-Rod could say, listen, no offense to you, but I was even better than you were at shortstop. And I moved. 
and and that could entice him. I think he would play third for the Yankees. Other other than that, I think he would really really fight to be a shortstop. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. There's with a lot that. there, but what what do you think about all that? I mean, there's a lot of layers, like I said, but this is this is going to get interesting. One layer that I'm super interested about, and I guess we could talk hypotheticals if you want, saying that the Yankees do get him is I I just want to know what's going to happen. What do you think happens with Andahar? Is he involved in that trade? Absolutely. Is he flipped? Oh, so, after that? Yeah, I think he flips after that. I think. So you don't think he'll be involved in? I that don't trade. think he'll be involved in that trade. I think that Brandon Drury could be involved in that trade. I think another good infield prospect could be involved in that trade um they the Orioles could move Tim Beckham back to short and focus on a third baseman they could keep uh Tim Beckham at third and get a shortstop prospect like a Tyler Wade shortstop is Wade's natural position they could do something like that because they still have Jonathan Scope playing second and Chris Davis is a log jam there at first um if they got a Tyler Austin he could give you some right-handed pop from the first base position um, particularly with how much Davis has struggled, I think then you would use Andujar as that major trade chip to go get a top-tier starter that otherwise might not be available. But my thing is, and that was my argument to this, who's that top-tier starter that might not be available? Is it DeGrom? Because that's not going to happen. I don't think it would happen. 99% that doesn't happen. But I think the major reason why those trades are not even being entertained is because the Yankees will not even talk about a trade if Miguel Andujar is mentioned. That would make Miguel Andujar expendable, which is he is the prized possession because they know Glaber Torres isn't going anywhere. So he's the next in line as far as the top available position players who are on the major who's on the major league roster. If 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 they trade Andahar and it's anybody lesser than Jacob DeGrom, that sucks. That's that's bad business and I don't think Cashman would do it. If it's a if it's a pitcher less of Jacob DeGrom's caliber, which is the second best pitcher probably in baseball right now, maybe the best um, throughout the first half of the season um, you know, I don't think it's worth it. No, I, I agree with you. And that's why I, I ultimately, if you were to hold a gun to my head and ask, is Machado a Yankee in, in, in a week, in two weeks by July 31st, my answer would be no. Um, but I do think that there's a chance that, Hey, maybe there's not a starter that's available now, but maybe one becomes available in the winter time. And that's where, you know, because if the Yankees get Machado, he's playing third base, he's not playing short. So, and Duhar could be sent down. It's hard to send a guy who, if it wasn't for Torres, would be in the right there for rookie of the year in the American League. Send him down with a Brandon Drury. I mean, Jesus, those are two bona fide major league players. Yep. But, you know, if you can have Manny Machado, it was the same way I felt with Stanton last year. You and I are both big Clint Frazier fans. I want to see Clint Frazier in the major leagues with the Yankees for a long time. But, you know, you hope that he's... Set his ceiling is probably 70% of what Giancarlo Stanton is. You know, Miguel Andujar, for as good of a player as he is and as good as I think he's going to be, you hope that he's 70%, if that maybe 65% of what you know Manny Machado already well, yeah, is. yeah, because you have to take into account that Machado is probably... And he's 25. He is the best defensive third baseman in baseball and probably a top five shortstop defensively. I mean, maybe DD and a few others are better than him. Um, but, you know, to go to go a little bit wider of a scope, um, where do you think that he lands? Because, I mean, you and I both don't think that he goes to the Yankees. I just, I don't, feasi- I would be more surprised if it did happen than if it didn't. Agreed. I wouldn't be, like, floored, but I, I don't really see it happening. So where do you think he ends up? Um, I think it's probably Philly or Milwaukee. 
Um, I think they're going to end up in a bidding war. I do too. I think Philly really wants him for two reasons. They know that he's an upgrade. If they get him for short, they can keep Franco unless the unless the um, Orioles really want him. But if they can find a way to package some really good young talent that doesn't involve Mikel Franco, you have Franco at third and Machado at short. That's a really good left side of your infield. Um, I know they're going to have to part with a pitcher or two that hurts. And one or two of those pitchers is going to be – it's going to either be Ifen or it's going to be Nola. And they're I, not gonna and I Nola. know they no don't want to do that. So that's, that's something right there that could be an obstacle. The Brewers make sense because they've been ultra-aggressive before. We saw them go get CC back 10 years ago to this day, um, or to this week, rather. And then, you know, they were aggressive this offseason getting Christian Yelich and Lorenzo Cain. They're right there. They're leading the Cubs, and the Cubs look vulnerable. We're going to touch upon kind of our biggest surprises and disappointments of the first half. And the Cubs, you know, kind of fall into that disappointment category. Yeah, my World Series pick is not looking too good. It's tough, and the Brewers know that it's ripe for the picking. And if they can get a Manny Machado to add to that already pretty good lineup at, with a solid pitching staff, then that's the thing. The rentals are hard for those teams. You just don't know. I mean, I don't think the Milwaukee Brewers are going to be able to A, pay him, and B, sell him on Milwaukee. Philly might be able to. The other good thing about Philly is they're blocking him from Atlanta, which is another team that we've heard mentioned kind of on the periphery of the Machado talks. It's going to be fascinating. This is the best player we've seen moved at the deadline in a long time, Um, position player, that is. Uh, and regardless of where he goes, he's going to make an immediate impact. Yeah, this doesn't happen in the MLB nearly as often as it happens in the NBA, really. Um, I mean, it happens once, you know, every... If, I feel like CC. well, he's a pitcher, but was the last huge one to move. Yeah, I mean, JD moved last year. You get big names, yeah. but not a, a not a 25-year-old bona fide premium superstar. And people... Overlook him when two they positions. talk. Yeah, when they talk about the best shortstops in baseball, and you go Correa and this. Uh, no, Machado's honestly better than all of them. Yeah, uh, re- truly. I mean, maybe Lindor's having a great year. Maybe he's right there with him. But I think he's probably the best shortstop in baseball from both sides of the ball. Um, uh, the best fit for him, if I were to, to throw one out there, I don't think they're going to be able to get him. But I said it last week. I think is Arizona, just because I think he. They don't have a shortstop. He can fit, you know, they they don't have a good offensive shortstop. He fits right in there with that lineup. He would be perfect in that lineup. And I think he would put them over to the top to be maybe the second best team in the NL. Yeah, I mean, he, he'd make a difference. And once again, I kind of look at that from the same angle I look at the Phillies. Not only do you get Manny Machado to add into an already dangerous lineup with a good pitching staff, but you keep him away from the Dodgers. Yeah, and you could. So it's you know, twofold. They didn't get JD last year, but you know they might be able to sign him and convince him to stay for three to four years. Right, and, and that's going to be interesting too. Way down the line is what these free agents do. We've all imagined these ten to twelve year mega deals, yeah. but maybe these free agents are not going to get that. Even if they're the attractive thing about Machado is he's twenty five years old. I mean, he's played a lot of baseball, but he's 25 years old. Stanton, when the Yankees got him, he's 27. Yeah, you know, you Harper's going to be 24. They're not pitchers, you know. They got plenty of mileage left. Pitchers, if they're young and they throw all these innings, you worry a little bit more. Yep. Just because at some point an arm's going to go. It's only got so many pitches. But when it comes to position players, as long as they take care of their bodies, they can play for a really long time nowadays. Yeah, for sure. And I was kind of thinking outside the box 
you know, kind of a little bit yesterday and today, just kind of wrapping my head around what a potential Machado trade would be, especially if Andujar was either involved in that trade or in another. I think in 2003, you had Alfonso Soriano, if you were the Yankees, right? And he was a a favorite because he was, A, an exciting player. He was a 40-40 guy from second base, which was not, at the time, a, a known offensive position. And he was coming up through their system, and the Yankees had a lot of established superstars, and it was kind of refreshing to see another really good homegrown player come up and be and be a centerpiece of a team. But Alex Rodriguez was the best player in baseball, and they had an opportunity to get him to move to third. And everybody, you know, kind of shits on the A-Rod deal and his time at the Yankees. Oh, he was there too long. Well, that was the 10-year deal they gave him after he had already been there for four years. Yeah. The trade itself they would do it again a million times and not think twice. Soriano had a really good career. It was really fun to see him come back in 13, but he was no Alex Rodriguez. And that's kind of how I look at with Miguel Andujar. If you trade Miguel Andujar, he's going to be a really good player wherever he goes. We've seen everything that he can do, and he's only going to get better. His plate discipline is going to get better. His defense is going to get better. But he's a solid major league player. The Yankees are good this year as a product because of him being their everyday third baseman. But Manny Machado is Manny Machado. That's an already established young in his prime for another eight years superstar. You're not going to have an opportunity to get those guys that often. So if they can find a way to use kind of the leverage of him being a rental, hope that the other teams will not offer the prospects that the Orioles are looking for, and the Orioles look at the Yankees and say, fine, we're not getting Frazier. Fine, we're not getting Sheffield. Fine, we're not getting Floreal. Everybody else is on the table, and then Cashman can pivot and use Andujar to get a DeGrom or somebody of that ilk. Wow, that changes everything. Because I think a lot of the reasons why these Yankee pitchers or a lot of these moves, forget just the Yankee-Met thing, but a lot of these guys are not realistic expectations is because these teams know they're not going to offer Andujar. Yeah, um, I, I agree with you. And just to pivot off of that, it would be great to see him just hopefully, you know, they don't give up too much for a guy that you could easily sign for no prospects next year. Um, you spoke of DeGrom. So his agent basically went to the Mets and said either sign him or sell him. Um, so uh, what are you thinking about that? You know, we've, we've spoke to it since we started talking baseball during the spring training. The Mets and the Yankees, they wouldn't even do a deal for Lucas Duda, who's not even close to the town of Jacob DeGrom, um, I think that it would take, uh, I think, one, they would need more competent management to do it. So that's one reason why I don't think it's going to happen. And two, it would take like a super-duper desperate, desperate move by the Mets. Yeah, so... This is it's kind the of the right move. It's but the when right. When have they made the right move? Not from often. Most recently signing Cespedes to all their bargain basement free agent signings yes. this year. Yeah. So this is where you and I can have fun because this is sports talk. This is the provocative conversation that generates excitement and hypotheticals and all that. Kind of like when we were discussing Harvey to the Yankees a couple months ago, right? Like just that fun stuff. Um, do I think the Yankees and Mets will do a trade? No. Do I think the Yankees and Mets should do a trade? Absolutely. Um, a couple reasons. One, let's just throw it out of the way right now. The Mets are bad. And the Mets are bad in an increasingly growing, talented, young National League East. We've seen the Braves take off. We've seen the Phillies take off. The Nationals, I don't know what their future holds, but they still have some really good young players. They still have Scherzer. They still have Strasburg. They're going to be relevant. The Mets have the oldest 
team, minus with the exception of the Giants, in the major leagues. They have nobody on that team that has any real value. Familia, maybe you get a prospect or two. As Drupal Cabrera, not going to get you anything. An old second baseman. He's a guy that you would use kind of in the Neil Walker trade last year where you get something for him. Um, Cespedes is untradeable. Jay Bruce right now is untradeable. Uh, Todd Frazier's on the DL. They're young talent. They're starved of it. You know, Rosario's not there yet. He might be good, but he's not there yet. Brandon Nimmo's had a really good year. Conforto, up and down. A lot of injuries. They don't have, and they're other starters too. Zach Wheeler, you know, I think they'd prefer to trade him. He's not going to get you. They need to reset the franchise. Zach Wheeler will get you like two double-A players. Yeah. You know, maybe they'll be good in five years, three years, but, you know, good pitcher. Mats, it's like... Do I really want to give up a good prospect for a guy that is on the DL three times a year? No. Good pitcher, but you know he's on the DL all these times. DeGrom, I mean, I don't think they want to trade Syndergaard, and I think it's out of the question. DeGrom is the best pitcher. He's better than Verlander last year at the end of the trade downline. He's one of the best pitchers that you could pick up in the deadline. And he's under control for two more years. He's 30, but he's only thrown 800 innings in his career. He's a young 30 because he didn't make his debut until 26. Has not had a major injury. No, he had them all when he was in the minors, way before he made his MLB debut. And what was the headline you read off? Oh, his agent is saying either extend me or trade me. Well, you know what? The Mets are not going to extend him. There's no reason to. They have him under control through 2020. So why would they automatically go to him and say, yeah, we're going to give you three years on top of that? The Mets don't do business that way, and they don't need to. They need to reset their franchise. They need to make one giant move. That was what the Yankees did with Miller. Did Chapman make a big deal? Yeah, because they traded him to an eventual World Series team. But their farm system got loaded because they robbed the Indians for Andrew Miller. And they didn't have to trade Andrew Miller. Andrew Miller was a premier top-tier, top-three reliever with two more years of team control that... The Yankees just said, listen, we're going to jumpstart and rejuvenate this franchise for decades. And they did. And they immediately, with that trade deadline, went from 16th ranked to second. Just in that summer in three days. The Mets can get Miguel Andujar if the Yankees get Machado. If not, you should get a Brandon Drury. Is he better than who they have playing third base right now? Yes. They can get a Tyler Wade. There's a starting second baseman going forward. They can get a Tyler Austin. There's a right-handed hitting first baseman. God, do they need that. You get a couple pitchers like a Chance Adams. Give them, you know, a Dylan Tate, a Albert Abreu. Give them guys like that. They're Billy McKinney. There's another outfield prospect, lefty, hit, lefty power hitter. They will ask for Sheffield. And you know what? If I were the Yankees, I think I would include Sheffield to know I'm getting DeGrom. But, uh, I mean, if you're rattling off all those other names, I think that. But I think the it. Mets would say, okay, fine. Oh, and give them Clint Frazier too. Give them Clint Frazier too, if they if Jesus they need it. Lord. But that's but it's you know what it's probably going to take to get them. I mean, yeah, I agree with you. I you'd really have to wait to see. You know, there's a week left. You'd have to wait to see the market break down. I don't really think that any other team is going to be offering that nearly that much, because they know that he wants to leave if they're not going to sign him to an extension and. The Mets suck anyways, so you know they're desperate for for prospects. So I don't. I think other teams are just going to play a much lower hand than that. And I think that you could get them with the guys that you mentioned before, 
Um, if no one else is betting for him, and now that this kind of they put the ball in the Mets' court now. Yeah, I think that you could get him without Sheffield and without Frazier if they weren't the New York Mets and they weren't incompetent. And I don't even think including Frazier or Sheffield would get him if that's the attitude that they're going to have. Right. Yeah, they might just be that closed-minded where it says, I mean, they have the little brother complex. There's no doubt about it. The yeah. Wilpons don't want to do anything. But my question to Mets But fans, my thing is this. If you want to be a great team, of course. Then, then bite the bullet now. Your, your ignorant fans are going to be bitching and moaning. I can't believe you traded him to the Yankees who – you know, are, are going to be World Series favorites if you go out and get Machado and you go out and get a DeGrom. But it's like, okay, we can either... The Yankees are going to be World Series favorites next year regardless, and we can either suck and have Jacob DeGrom on our team, or we can, you know, you can see a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, Tom, you and I are speaking as logical, actual, thought-provoking, not even fan, just baseball minds. I think the Mets, what's interesting now is they have this three-tier GM ever since Alderson stepped down, and I don't really know who's in made role. They have J.P. Ricciardi, they have Omar Minaya, and they have one other guy who was, um, who was Alderson's right-hand man. But regardless, they might go to go to Will Pond and say, listen, this is our best offer. Look at what the where the Braves are. The Braves are going to be good for another ten years. Look at where the Phillies are. They're going to be good for another eight to ten years, and they're going to both of those teams can sign big free agents. We can't sign yep. big free agents, and we don't have any minor league system with guys like a Dansby Swanson, like an Odubel Herrera. I mean, both of those teams, the Braves and even the Nationals, are like bringing I was just up about top to say young talent. The Nationals, right. even though Harper is, you know, it's almost written in stone that he's going to leave next year. They're going to replace Harper with a. a Soto and a Robles. They're they're gonna just turn the page on that. Yeah, and they, they they're still not have gonna Turner. be as good. Yes, they still have Turner. They still have a great pitching staff. They're not going anywhere. They're just that team that is just on a bunch of underachievers. But that doesn't have anything to do with talent. No, and hey, look at the Marlins. They are a lot better this year than people thought they were gonna be, and they have some good young talent. And they're making moves. They are. They're so willing to. Absolutely. So I mean, I think from the logical baseball perspective. Let me just ask a Met fan this question, right? You had to see Doc Gooden and Daryl Strawberry, two of the most iconic Mets in the history of the franchise, win two World Series for the Yankees, and you got nothing for them. Don't It might kill you to see Jacob deGrom, who just three years ago pitched in World Series games for you, win a World Series across town in Yankee pinstripes. But if you're getting your next franchise third baseman and your next franchise second baseman and a couple of pitchers who are going to anchor that rotation with a Syndergaard, with a Mats, and with a Wheeler. I mean, come on. You've got to know that's going to make your, and maybe a top-tier outfielder too, that's going to make your team so much better. And now you can compete with the likes of the Braves and the Phillies and the Nationals and, and maybe, and maybe even a free the Marlins. Agent or two. Exactly. At least there's talent there. That's how baseball is being built now. That's that's what you have to do. You have to tear it down and like you said it perfectly. If there's no other team that has the ability to match with the Mets and now with this power play by DeGrom and his agent, they want to know, listen, I'm hearing trade rumors and I'm hearing that you're not even entertaining the thought. Well, where are we going? You know, are, are we going to be here for the long haul? And I'm going to have to pitch. I mean, and to the Met fans, I say, well, he's the only reason we're watching. What, you want to watch him pitch seven great innings and lose two to one? Because yeah. that's what you've been seeing. He I'd has a 1.6 ERA and has game. five and is five and four. Yeah, it, it's just a terrible <laughs> team. And 
if you know if any competent human being was running it, I would just wipe the slate clean and just get as many prospects as you can. If it, if the Yankees were the Milwaukee Brewers or some other team, that deal would have been done already. Probably. If you just took out the team names and I just rattled off some players, that deal would be done tomorrow. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. Um, the fun baseball talk, I, I think that they should entertain it, and the two make t- perfect sense with each other for trade partners, particularly if the Yankees get Machado, because then, and don't have to include Andujar in that trade, well, now Andujar becomes, oh my God, well, we've seen him, he's going to be our next David Wright. I mean, that's that's what you hope for. Yeah, and if you can include Andujar and a few of those you know, other prospects, and just hold on to Sheffield and Frazier, which... Honestly, I think Cashman can do it. If there's one guy that I think can play this, you know, this trade deadline like he has the last few, it's him. I think he's going to do a really good job again this year. Yeah, and I think he, I think he's hell bent on not giving up Frazier, and I think he's hell bent on not giving up um, Sheffield either. Agreed. And Floriel, you can put into that mix too. Uh, I, I mean, Hicks has really turned it around, and I think that if. If Floriel was the difference between DeGrom being a Yankee and DeGrom not being a Yankee, I think that he pulls the trigger. Probably, and I think that they could, with the offense that they're going to have for the next 10 years, you probably assume that, you know, because Floriel's still two or three years away. I think he was going to be the next in line once Hicks leaves. But, yeah, I, I you, you said it perfectly. They could probably, he will not be the difference maker for whether a trade gets done or not. Sheffield, maybe. But once again... You know, starting pitching, especially minor league starting pitching, it's so dicey. You can have, I mean, how many times, too? And this is not to be pessimistic. I would love to see Justice Sheffield come up and dominate for the Yankees and be the left-handed version of Severino. But how many times have we seen, Tom, in these in these years of hearing about Yankee pitching prospects, Jabba Chamberlain, Phil Hughes, Ian Kennedy. Ian Kennedy became good because he went somewhere else. Phil Hughes' best moments were when they made him a reliever because he couldn't start. And Jabba Chamberlain could A, not be healthy, and B, they should have left him in the pen. Then you had that next level of Batances. Well, he didn't start. He became a great reliever. Awesome. You win there, but he didn't serve the role you drafted him for. Manny Banuelos, who was an untradeable left-handed pitcher, kind of what Justice Sheffield is now back in 2011-12, was always hurt, never did anything, is now pitching somewhere in, I think, the Dodgers minor league system. So, I mean, you hear all this time of great young starting pitching, great young starting pitching, but you know what? One bad injury, maybe, you know, he's short, he's six foot, you know, sometimes those guys don't hold up. He throws real hard. I'd love to see him be great. I would personally like to see them hold on to him because his potential is so high. But if you know you're getting a Jacob DeGrom, it's the same thing that we talked about with the position players. You hope Justice Sheffield, I know he's a lefty and DeGrom's a righty, but you hope he be, he is 70% of what you know DeGrom already is and will be for the next couple of years. Yeah, and I mean, you know, the more you think about it, the more you say, if that's the deciding factor, I mean, listen, if you put DeGrom and Frazier into a trade with Andahar, that's that's almost too much, even for a guy like DeGrom. Um, well, yeah, because position players, baseball now has shown that position players are what you build around, and then you can plug in pitching. Charlie be, Morton, perfect example, or, or you can go down the list. I completely agree with you. You know, pitchers are more guys that you let other teams develop them and go through the growing pains, and then you go and you scoop them up. Yep. 
Um, so moving on, why don't we talk about what um, what we both feel were some of the biggest disappointments as well as some of the bigger positive surprises in uh, across baseball. So we'll start with the NL. Why don't you go ahead? Okay. Um, yeah, so I think the, the surprises, I mean, how can you not say the Atlanta Braves? They've been awesome, um, still in first place in the East, and, and it doesn't look like they're going away. I mean, they're going to look to add at this deadline. I don't think they'll do anything spectacular, but they're going to make moves to upgrade probably their rotation and maybe um, maybe the third base position. Um, I, I, I look at, and then really, to me, there's a lot of disappointments in the National League. The Cubs have been bad. Darvish was a disaster of a signing so far. Uh, the Nationals have been a the definition of mediocre. Um, you know they take two step they take a step forward and then two steps back. Um, I don't what the Dodgers have gotten a lot better, but they came out of the gate super slow. Well, they had an injury too. Of course, no, they've been injury Corey riddled. Seager, but best shortstop, one of them in baseball. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, that's but you know you would think that they have enough talent to still be relevant. Yeah. Now they're in first place, but Turner's it took a coming while. Back, so. Yep. I think they'll be a little bit better. Um, the Rockies haven't been as good as I thought they'd be, especially that bullpen. I thought that bullpen was going to be right up there with with some of the best. Uh, it's not. Um, Davis has not been awesome. I think they miss Greg Holland more, and uh, Brian Shaw has struggled out of the pen for them too. And John Gray, who was a top starter for them, they sent down to AAA most recently recalled, but that was your number two starter in the season who you pitching to an over six ERA. Yeah, and the uh, Cardinals just fired their manager as well. Yeah, so not that was great. Big, yeah, that was big news. So add them to the disappointments. The other surprises in the good way. Phillies. Phillies, yep. And I'm going to put the Marlins there. They don't suck. I mean, they're not good. Doesn't mean people are going to the games. No. But they don't <laughs> oh suck. God, no. But they're they're much better than I thought they were going to be. Um, how about you? Where where do you look in the National League? I think the others were kind of where we thought they would be. Yeah, but... Milwaukee's a little bit better than I think we thought. Um, aside from that, you know, it's pretty pretty standard across the board. I mean, are I you surprised you with how bad the Mets are, or did you see this coming? Um. I actually am a, a little bit surprised just because at the beginning of the year I said I thought that they weren't going to make the playoffs, but they would probably finish third or fourth in the East. They're looking like they might finish dead last. Um, I I didn't think they would be this abysmal, which it just, it, I'm stupid for that because they are this <laughs> So am I. I predicted them year. to be a wild card team, so there you go. Yeah. Um, you know, all the moves we should have known from the start were not going to work. Adrian Gonzalez and... Frazier. I mean, Frazier's fine. If he's Frazier's, just been hurt a lot. Yeah, and Frazier's not a guy that you're going to bring to a young team and he's going to build it up. Frazier's a guy like last year with the Yankees where you bring him on your team and he's a good final piece and he's a good clubhouse guy. Um, you know, he, he's, he'll be good defensively and for him to hit 6th, 7th, or 8th is great. You're not going to stick him in the middle of the lineup. He, he might have been that kind of player in Cincinnati, but recently, no. You're not going to stick him in the middle of the lineup, and he's not going to you know hit you 100 RBIs, hit you 285, and have 30 bombs, especially in New York. Um, I didn't think they were going to be this bad, so I guess I'll go ahead and say they were a little bit of a surprise for me. Yeah. Um, aside from that, yeah, the Braves, I'm, I'm really happy with that team. They, they are young, and they look like they're going to be really good for a really long time. And they don't even have that good of starting pitching. Um, I mean, I know it's there. They got Tehran. They got um, Michael Falowa, whatever his Fulton name. Fulton Yeah, whatever. Um, he's been was close. he's been a stud. Um, so yeah, they they got a good top half. I think they're probably gonna go out and get a lower end starter. 
um, to cap that off. Their bullpen's pretty good as well. They got a lot of hard throwers. Um, just a really good young team. And then I guess uh, moving on to the AL, um, what, what are you thinking about that? So the AL is a little interesting for me. I, I'm going to say, and this is going to sound stupid. I was surprised the Red Sox were this Thank good you. to start off. Thank you. I, I thought they were going to be good. They're the last two defending AL East champions. So, I mean, no surprise there. I think they were very underestimated just because the Yankees went so much further than they did last year. But Boston is still the class of the AL East. Oh, my God, are they good. And... And they've had some pitching issues. You know, Price has been on the DL a couple of times. He can't pitch against the Yankees. But they're doing what the Yankees are not doing as consistently. You can't really talk about the Yankees have like a top five record in baseball. You can't really. They're two. Yeah, they're number two. So you can't really complain about a number two team the in Yankees baseball. Yankees are 29 games over 500. Yeah, absolutely. And they're four but, and a half back. But they've been winning the games that the Yankees, they've been winning 100% of the games that the Yankees are winning 70% of the time. Um, you know, where it seems like they're going to lose and then Mookie Betts will have a 14-pitch at bat and hit a grand slam. Um, or even Mitch Moreland, you know, they cut Hanley Ramirez, which we were both scratching our heads at, and the guy's tearing the cover off the ball. I mean, every everybody on their offense from top to bottom is hitting the ball really well. And their pitching staff's, you know, starting around into form. I mean, you got Porcello, reliable guy. You don't have to say anything about Chris Sale. Um, and then aside, uh, maybe they just scratch Price every start against the Yankees because aside from that, he's been pretty good. <laughs> yes. Um, and then you know, I think they're going to go out and get a bullpen piece because you know, aside from Kelly and um, Kimbrel, they don't really have much. But they've just every day you look at a box score, you watch MLB Network, whatever, and they win every game. They do. They sweep every series while the Yankees take two of three. I mean, they do not take their foot off the gas pedal. They, and and I will say this. You I, could probably see a crash coming at some point. Maybe, but I don't know. I mean, last year, so last year the thing was was they didn't have any power. So they really missed Ortiz's bat. They didn't hit any, for any power last year. And they had Bogarts was on and off the DL. Mookie wasn't as good as he was in 16. Well, both of those guys have completely played like MLB or like MVP candidates and I think J.D. JD Martinez is the MVP MVP and the best signing of any team this year in the free agent. And I'm still a Giancarlo Stanton fan. He had a bad start. He's he's hitting 275 with 24 home runs right now. You can't complain. But, oh, my God, J.D. Martinez is another level. I was shocked that Stanton didn't win that final vote, but keep going. No, I agree. I mean, we both predicted he would. Um but no, the Red Sox are playing at a level that we've we haven't seen since the '98 Yankees. And are they the Dodgers of last year who go into the first half just looking basically invincible, and then August comes and I mean they have had their share of injuries. I mean Eduardo Rodriguez, their number four starters on the DL now. Ankle injury, he's going to be gone for a long time. Yeah, so I, I don't know. Do they do they look for a you know, like a Hamels or a Hap or somebody like that to add Devers is on the DL now. Or are they going to target like a Moustakis to play third? Um, uh, Devers is going to be back right after the All-Star break. So, and he's been really good he's as been well. He's been raking too. I mean, too. the kid's like 20 years old. Ben Intendi's been really good. Their whole team can hit. There's not a guy in that lineup minus Vasquez, the catcher. And Bradley Jr. And Bradley Jr., who you say are, are outs. I mean, and this is coming from a Yankee fan perspective where, I mean, when the Yankees are healthy, 
I mean, Glaber Torres, who's going to win Rookie of the Year, bats ninth. But it's it's still it's it's ridiculous. They're incredible. I'd say they're my biggest surprise just because of how good they are. We knew they were going to compete. I thought they were going to finish second, but goddamn, they're the best team in baseball. They are for sure, and it's not even close. I think the Oakland A's have really surprised me. They were mediocre. Ever since Piscotty came back, they're playing great, you know, motivated baseball, really. Absolutely. They've been awesome. Um, another surprise for me in a bad way is the Orioles. I didn't expect them to contend for the division. My God, did they stink. And obviously Machado is the focus of trade talks. They're going to trade everybody. Britain's gone. Givens is gone. They're going to trade anybody that has value. Adam Jones might go. Oh, I think he'll definitely. Yeah, go. that's that team is horrible, and their starting pitching is atrocious. Their bullpen has not been good. I know Britain was out for the majority of the year, but still getting almost nothing from it. Chris Davis, that is going to go down as one of the worst signings. You have to trade your franchise icon in Machado because you're paying Davis twenty five million for another five years. Um, yeah, he hasn't had a good year in about three. Yeah, he's he's hitting like one sixty two. He's not even playing against lefties. Um, but you got to keep running them out he there. He needs because to hop back on the Adderall. <laughs> yeah, no, I think you're right. Um, I, I give the Tampa Bay Rays some credit. And they did. They're always that team. You know, they're not as bad as you thought they were going to be. And they got some pieces that they can flip on the deadline to go ahead and rebuild that team again. Yep. As Snell has become their next ace. Uh, Archer just came back. He's going to stabilize that rotation too. So even if they trade in Evaldi. Um, they're going to have a good rotation. And Tom, you spoke to it last time, dude. They have the. Did you say they have the best ERA since they've done the opener thing? Yeah, they. They. Um, I don't think they. They obviously don't do it with Snell starts. They probably aren't going to do it with Archer starts. Um, and Evaldi. But aside from that, when they run out that that opener or whatever, yeah, they they brought their ERA down from like five to three. Wow. Just by doing that. Yeah, it's like I mean three point oh four. I don't know if it still is, but the last time I saw the stat. That's quite the stat. So they're they're still there. Um, I I think a huge disappointment was the Twins. Oh my God, oh, they man. suck. They're in full on rebuild mode. I mean, Buxton's been hurt as well as bad. They sent Sano, who had you know he was probably top ten. He was an All Star last year. Yeah. Last year, um, he had that breakout in the home run derby as well. They sent him down to triple A to double A. Excuse me. Yeah. They said it was closer to their spring training facility, but he has been. He was terrible, and he's been down in AAA for about a month and a half now. It's not like he went down for a week um, right before the All-Star break to get some more at-bats and some more looks in. He's been down for a while, and there hasn't been signs of him coming back up. No, and then they're pitching. You know, they brought in Oda Rizzi, who was pitching for uh, Tampa Bay. I thought that was a good trade when they got him. We both did. Yep. Uh, Lance Lynn, I thought, was a good bargain basement pitcher. Who I think they'll trade him. And I something. think they'll trade him. He's rounded into form a little bit more, but he was not good early on. They are a bad team. Irvin Santana's been hurt, but you're going to say Irvin Santana's a difference maker? No. No, he's not, not to that, that degree. No. So, they'll probably trade him, too. Yeah, they suck. So, I mean, the Indians have gotten a lot better, but the Indians have been able to get a lot better because that division is atrocious. We knew Detroit wasn't going to be good. We knew Kansas City was not going to be good. We knew Chicago wasn't going to be good. They're up and coming. I think they'll be, you know, maybe a year or two from now they'll yeah, be Yeah, they're the going Atlanta through their growing pains. Yeah. For sure. Absolutely. Um yeah, you know, the the Indians can kind of coast. You don't need a 28 game win streak like they had last year. And I think Terry Francona kind of learned his lesson from last year and he knows when to take his foot off the gas and put it back on cuz that division is already won. Oh, it's for sure. wrapped up. Set it in, yep. you know, sign seal delivers. Absolutely, yep. um, absolutely. What do you think about Seattle? So Seattle made a couple of unconventional moves at, in the winter time, getting D Gordon to play center. 
But then they went through Robinson Cano getting and hurt or getting, getting suspended. Base. They've um, already announced that they're going to do a platoon thing. I, I don't know who's going to be, if it's going to be him or D. Gordon. Because um, they already have a full-time DH. Nelson Cruz can barely run. So Right. I mean, I, I they also made, I think they traded for two. Um, yeah, they got Denard Span and Alex Colomay who from the Tampa Bay. I mean, listen, Paxson's, you know, one of the best pitchers in baseball, and they've been playing really well. They're really impressive to me for a couple reasons. One, Robinson Cano got hurt and then suspended, and they've gotten better since. Um, they had they've had Felix Hernandez been very unproductive, and when he's been on the mound, and he but he's been hurt. He's currently on the DL. That's your number two. But they're getting hell of a performance from Mike Leake who came over from the Cardinals. I didn't think much of him. He's been good. Wade LeBlanc, who was a Yankee spring training invitee, has had a pitch to a three mid-threes, high-threes ERA, and he actually just worry, got extended, you too. You worry about that because, you know, that that could all come forward. Of course, down. he's a journeyman for a reason, but he's stabilized the rotation for what they've needed. I thought the Angels were going to be a lot better. I know they've had injuries. Garrett Richards is now out for the year with Tommy John. Otani's been hurt. Second Tommy John. But dude, I really and th- I know this is your boy. I feel so bad for Trout. I mean, he's had the best statistical start to his career of any player ever. What else can you do? I mean, you know, they they made a horrible signing in Albert Pujols. I hate to say it, the guy's a bona fide first ballot Hall of Famer, one of the best hitters of all time. You know, they they're still paying C.J. Wilson probably somewhere. I don't know what he's and Josh doing Hamilton. With his life. Josh Hamilton, the same. Um, and you know, our Andleton Simmons won that final All Star vote, I believe. So, yeah. I, I mean, they they don't. They're not awful, but Zach Cozart's on the DL. They just can't win games. They got don't have a great starting staff. Honestly, that's what it is. No, and their they bullpen's give up a bad hell too. of a lot of runs. Yep, yeah, they do, and their bullpen's not that good. Um, Cole Calhoun was hitting below 200 for the majority of the year. Um, you know, uh, Upton has been, Justin Upton's been okay. Um, Kinsler has not provided them with what they thought they were going to get from him at second base. Like you said, Pujols. You know, he's just kind of a shell of his former self. Yep, and uh, Cozart. Yep. So, uh, so. Maldonado's a nice catcher. Um, you know, Richards was pitching well. Haney and Skaggs, you know, they were going to say. And Otani was the talk of baseball the first month. Now he's hurt. Well, he's hitting now, but he's not allowed to pitch with that partially torn UCL. Man, I'm surprised. I'm surprised with how they've fallen and how good Seattle's been weathering the storm of a couple of really adverse situations. Yeah, and then you know Houston just keeps the ball rolling. Yeah, there's no surprise with Houston. Absolutely, man. The the one surprise with Houston, with Houston. I mean, I knew Alex Bregman was good, but he is great and he's clutch as anything. I think he's got like five walk off hits this year or something like that. Yeah. Um. That that's my only surprise there. But yeah, that pretty much sums it up. I mean, we knew the Rangers were going to be bad. Yep. Um. You know, that's that's pretty much everything when it comes to the MLB. It's the All Star break now. Um. We're gonna keep. We're gonna keep. You know, our eyes open for the trade deadline. Hopefully, yep. the Yankees make some positive moves. I, I know they're gonna do something. They're gonna do something. I have a feeling this is gonna be a big trade deadline for them. I last year was too. Um. Not all the moves worked out. Um. You can check out kind of my highlight of last year's trade deadline and some of the others on our website, um, sorrysports.com. Nice plug. Uh, thank you. Um, um, but no, I think there's uh, there's going to be a lot of moves to be made. The Yankees, when you have a pro, when you have a farm system as deep as they do, we spoke to it last week a little bit. 
they're going to have to use some of these guys in multiplayer deals because not all they're you're going to have a 40 man roster crunch where these guys are not going to be able to make it. You don't want to lose them for nothing, and you don't want to just trade them in August for a couple get for a you know a single A player or double A player that's far away. Just because you know some of these guys I have think value. Get Britain, to be honest, I I mean, so we talked about it last week. We won't go too much into it now. Maybe Cashman goes and just says the starting pitching is either a not available or b what is available is not what I want. They they bolster their strength. I mean, I think, Jad yeah. Green has looked a little more vulnerable this year. He coughed it up yesterday. He's been hittable this year. Chapman's been amazing. Holder's been amazing. Batances and Robertson have been great. But Green's looked a little bit more flammable this year. Uh, Warren has been steady, but he's not a you know he's not an explosive piece. Shreve has coughed up some games. Yep. A, a hand or a Britain, just another good left-handed version. Uh, They're not going to have to give up that much to get Britain. I think hand's going to cost. Although too he's much. starting to get better, and I think there it's will be late, a bidding I war. I, I think Houston will go for him. I think Boston will go for him. I don't think anybody's going to offer anything good. That's what I'm trying to say. Okay. But one final thing before we move on to the next thing, um, we've talked about him every single week, so we might as well give credit where credit's due. Nice go start. Tom. <laughs> nice start from Sonny Gray. Yep, and uh, what pisses me off is he's going to string together two or three good starts, and it's going to be like this all year. I would rather him suck and your glass you know, half full perspective, shit or get off the pot. <laughs> Stop being. I love pregnant. that saying. Like, I I want him to either be a hundred percent in the rotation. I don't want any of this bullshit. He's not going to be because you know what he he has the stuff to put together a couple of really good games, and if he could pitch against the Orioles every time. Kind of like the anti-David Price Yankees thing. I mean, he'd be uh, he'd be an ace, but yeah. he's there's he's, other teams in the league. There's, there's other teams in the league. Yeah, and uh, you know, I mean, once again, we saw him really struggle out of the gate. He pitched well against Houston. Pitched well against Cleveland. Had some had a couple big games. Threw a near no hitter in Toronto. Okay, this is where he turns the corner. This is where he turns the corner. What did I say last time when you asked me how I felt about Sonny Gray? Next. Exactly. We'll talk later about Sonny Gray. Get all right. All right. So just some quick NFL news. It's coming up. Hard Knock starts August 7th. Can't Car- wait. Carry this, man. That's it. That's all I had to say. <laughs> I just can't wait. I literally can't wait. I saw an HBO commercial for Hard Knocks a couple days ago. I actually wasn't even watching. I heard the music come on, and I was like a dog to a bone. I just <laughs> lost my mind. I can't fucking wait for football to start. It's so exciting. But We're- moving on to something else that's exciting. NBA news. Um, the Brooklyn Nets made a trade. I'm just going to let you take it from there. I know they traded Jeremy Lin. They got Kenneth Fareed. The details are to follow right here. I mean, I don't know anything else. Yeah, so my Nets coming in with some surprise moves. I, I love what they're doing. They continue to follow the same plan. They're trading contracts that are expendable. There's a lot of bad teams that will uh, relieve some salary. The Nets are a team that's not bad, but they're not good. They're relieving salary too. So the Nuggets traded Kenneth Fareed, who has been a consistently awesome number four on the court for years for them. They traded him to the Nets. Awesome. Pump the brakes. He okay, barely fine. even played last but year. But he's been very good. He's a double-double machine. I will yep. say that when given the opportunity, he seems to get 10 Thank you 10. for calming me down a little bit. It's yeah. kind of like what I need to do with you and your yeah. Mitchell Robinson. He, they but. barely even played him last year. He was almost unplayable with Jokic. 
Um, but I mean, yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I think it's a great trade for the Nets and the fact that they got a pick out of it as well is incredible. Yeah. So they got the Nuggets, um, 2019 pick protected. So it falls between one and 12. So, um, but even then they get a compens- compensation pick in 2020. Pick, man. Uh, yep. And that's pick. the thing. The Nets finally, for the love of God, have their own pick next year. Um, if they're a playoff team, then that's great. They're picking, you know, in the twenties where they've been anyway. So, but I would sacrifice a, a, a lottery pick or a pick like that. If they're a good team, um, they traded Jeremy Lin, which was a contract they've been looking to get rid of Guy for coming a bit. off an ACL anyways. Yep. So they traded him to Atlanta as part of this three team deal. Um, they get Fareed. I mean, the Nets have been in the market for a four. They get one, as you alluded to a double, double machine, really going to bring some tough for, um, tenacity and um, a really good rebounder really tough defender to good a athlete as well yeah to a still young to a front line of jared allen who's still trying to grow into his body a little bit he's a shot blocking fiend but he can't really you know you wouldn't classify him as a top tier defender yet although he got better down the stretch last year and had a really good summer league performance um you got damari carroll still you've got hollis jefferson who's a very good defender and then another move that they made was they signed uh, former UConn star Shabazz Napier, who had a breakout year in Portland this year. Yeah, good. I think he'll make a good backup point guard. It'll be interesting. You know, maybe they'll they'll look for something with uh, Spencer Dinwiddle or Dinwiddie or whatever. Yep. However you say his name, maybe they'll make a deal there. Um, yeah. No, think? I mean they. So they have three point guards now, and I thought it was an interesting move when I first looked at it. I was like, hell yeah, another another good young point guard. And I was like. Wait a minute. You've got D'Angelo Russell. You got Spencer Dinwiddie, who was, you know, basically the most improved player in the league this year, um, especially because Russell, Russell and Lynn were Aside out. Aside from Oladipo, right? Missed both yeah. of the year, and at least Oladipo was a former lottery pick. I mean, yeah, no Dinwiddie one had heard of Dinwiddie. So free agent. That's what the Nets have done. They have developed players who other teams have kind of let go. And the other thing, too, is this move, because Kenneth Farid is an expiring contract, is you have a flexibility with him. If he plays really well you can and fits into that Atkinson system, you can sign him again. They're going to have room for two max players next year yep. with two first-round picks. With a developing center in Allen, with and then they can choose. You know, they D'Angelo Russell said they haven't asked him about an extension. He's a free agent at the end of the year. Do you lock him up? I think it's going to depend a lot on Kyrie Irving whether he wants to be a Nick or a Net. Um, I think gonna he's going to be a Nick. I think he's going to be a Nick. I'm not going to. I'm not going to be ridiculous. Um, <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah, of course. I'm not going to say that anybody would rather go to Brooklyn. It's like who would I rather play for, the Yankees or the Mets, if they're both offering the same money? You know, it's pretty obvious. Yeah, but but, what but I no, think, like I think it's. I think it's they. They're giving themselves a lot of flexibility. They have a lot of mobility within that roster. What I think is most important for the Nets is in a in a wide open Eastern Conference with a young team, they could be an eighth seed this year. I texted you. I think this is a playoff team now, given if they're healthy. I mean, Levert. Remember, if he was when he was picked at twenty two two years ago, he was a lottery talent. He was coming off a broken foot. So they didn't play him most of this first year, the 2016-17 season. And then last year, he really came into his own. He had some growing pains, but he, he was overall a very good player. Alan Crabb can, is still a three-point guy. They have Joe Harris, who was, I spoke to was a really good re-sign. Ed Davis is a good backup center. You've got Damari Carroll, who had a very productive year last year. 
Hollis Jefferson actually developed offense last year. But what's he's most important about that, as well as those are all tradable guys, yes. if need be. If it goes the other way, you can get some more assets for it. You know, because the Nets are the type of team where. Uh, do they have their pick next year? They do. Okay. Well, the Nets are the type of team where you're rebuilding. You'd like to see them make a playoff run, aside from the Knicks, where I'd like to see them develop their very young players, keep Porzingis out as long as need be, and get another lottery pick. Right. Well, what's exciting, too, is the Nets are not going to probably be picking in the lottery unless they go back to the Nets where you know nothing works out for them. But they, they can kind of do both. They can continue to develop some of their talent while also using some good veteran talent. And I think some of that de- player development is going to vault them to that next level of at least being a playoff team. Because let's look at it. You've got, I think we're in agreement that you have Philadelphia and Boston are right there at one and two, whichever order. And Toronto, Washington, Milwaukee are that next tier. Then you've got Indiana, who was who's, who squeaked into the playoffs this year. You've got Miami, who's always an average team because they're well coached and they have some they have some talent. But then you're looking down the line. The Knicks aren't good. The Chicago's the Bulls good. aren't good. Uh, the Pistons aren't good. The Magic aren't good. So there's definitely some room where if these young players play well. You know, Russell's going to be looking for that big contract. Maybe he's one where if Kyrie doesn't. I, I've been saying this for a few years, and I definitely think it's the case. The Nets are going to target Klay Thompson as one of their max players next year. I think they're going to throw a lot of money at him. He fits Atkinson's system like a glove. Um, and if you do, if you can surround him with, you take your pick of either Russell or Dinwiddie, and then you have Napier and you have Allen to run that pick and roll. You have Levert who can run the pick and roll because he can handle the ball. Harris and Crab shooting threes. It's not a bad team. Yeah, absolutely. You I'm, know, and, and I know I sound giddy, but come on, what have I had? Let me get the What have I had to look forward to? No, absolutely. Nothing. This team has been terrible, and you know they are still the Brooklyn Nets. They're not. They're not going to the final four of the playoffs next year. No, but, God you know, no. if they make a first-round appearance or even if they end up in the lottery, at least you see some progress and some positive moves. That's what has been, you know, this regime of Marks and Atkinson who took over for the abomination that was the Billy King era of just trading every asset that they possibly had for older older players in a, in a LeBron-dominated East. Um they have practiced patience and they have targeted the same kind of guys. Team, guys that have veterans who have had good pasts that maybe didn't fit in the or lottery picks. Yeah, or lottery picks that fell out of favor or late round first or late first rounders that maybe because of an injury or some question marks like a Jared Allen. You know, his size and, and around the rim skill set and shot blocking ability would say this guy could probably be drafted in the top fifteen. But his offensive game left a little bit to be desired. But the Nets I mean, are waiting listen. And young. Yeah, the Nets are saying, listen, we need a we need a we need a center and we're not good. We're not challenging for a playoff team. Let's see if this guy can develop. How much better he got from the beginning of the year where I was cringing every time the ball got near him to where he is now. Amazing, and, and Atkinson has shown he will develop you if you were a former lottery player or lottery pick. If you were a former uh, good player like a Damari Carroll, um, 
who had a really nice career in Atlanta and then didn't quite fit Toronto, had a nice year last year. Was it a product of a team that wasn't great? Maybe, but he was still a productive player. It definitely didn't look like he was done. That's for sure. Um, so who knows? I, I definitely am excited about where they are as a franchise. They're not trying to build Rome in one day, which is nice. They're building a foundation and are going to continue. They're going to be in a position to make some moves next summer and establish themselves as maybe that next team in the East that is a perennial playoff team. And in an open Eastern Conference, if you get hot now, maybe. Yeah, absolutely. Um, That's two years down the line, three years down the line. But they're looking that far, which is what's important. And they're not mortgaging their future with draft picks, and they're not mortgaging their present and future with bad contracts like Dwight Howard or something. Right, yeah. Yes. Now, so, moving on to the more important team in New York. Yes, they the are. The more important basketball team, the Knicks. I admit it. But thank you for letting me have my time. I appreciate that. <laughs> that, was, that was special. Um <laughs> Yeah, not too often you get to talk positive about the Brooklyn Nets. Um, not often do you get to talk about the Brooklyn Nets. Um, yeah, no, not at all. Um, so summer league is just wrapping up. Um, I think there's another one in Orlando, which is very exciting for me because the Knicks. Um, I'm 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 really happy with the team. Kevin Knox is killing it. He I think he might be either second or leading the league in scoring. Um, He's dominating. You know, he had a game where he, the Knicks were down 25 to the Lakers or something like that, and he starts hitting step-back threes, pulling up off the dribble, off the catch, going to the basket, dunking on people. And then he's also passing. He's setting guys up. Um, he showed that versatility and that full arsenal that the Knicks yeah, spoke no. to, right? And, you know, every year you see this, and hopefully finally the Knicks got a guy where you look back. It's like Donovan Mitchell, and it's like that guy got picked 13th. This guy got picked ninth. Should have been picked second. Should have been picked third. Maybe the Knicks could actually have that. Nilakina looks tenacious on defense, a little bit better on offense. He hasn't been playing as much. I think they're toning down his minutes, which is fine by me. Um, I, the one thing that worries me about the big guy Mitchell is he, he does not have the best hands or the best around-the-rim skills. I watched a lot of passes that hit him in the hands and he either had to take a dribble or... Or he just flat out bobbled the ball. Do you and think he could stolen. develop that though? Yeah, no, absolutely. He's he's 19 years old and he hasn't played basket a real game of basketball in a year since high school. He's in the NBA now. I think he could definitely develop that. The thing that I do get impressed with is when he doesn't finish the ball around the rim. Like I watched probably five different possessions where he would get the ball down low, miss, grab his own offensive rebound, miss, grab his own offensive rebound, and miss again, and then they would finally get the rebound. But the fact that he grabbed two offensive rebounds because he's so bouncy over guys, or I'll watch a play where he gets an alley-oop and his, his shoulders are at the rim, or he dunks on somebody off a rebound. He's just super bouncy. Um, not to mention defensively, he'll be guarding a guy in the post when they double down and his and his guard goes to the wrong guy when they kick out for three he's closing out on dudes and blocking their shots because of his wingspan and he's super athletic and bouncy and moves really well laterally um i get excited about that and the last guy they signed him to a two-way contract so you know he's going to be here is trier the guy he can pass he's a lot more of a playmaker than people give him credit for 
and he can just fill it up. He can score from anywhere. Jump shooter. He's very athletic. I watched him dunk on like two guys already. Um, Was he the Arizona player? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, um, his backstory. He he got caught. I think he accidentally. I don't know. He took steroids or some bullshit, and that was he got suspended twice for that. The second time it got pulled back because. I guess they argued it was remnants of the first batch. Um, so, yeah, they were saying he was going to be a first-round pick if he didn't go through all that controversy. But, you know, I'll, I'll go into a little more detail on that some other time on some other um, some other outlet. But he has been really, really good. I like the tease there, Tom. Yeah, n- no big deal. Um, and I just think that they look really well. A couple other guys that um, caught my eye from Summer League just from watching the games – Josh Hart incredibly improved in summer league. He's averaging like 18 a game, but just watching him play for the for the Lakers team, he voluntarily came back on like Lonzo, Kuzma, or any of the other guys. He's he's looks like a much improved player. Last year he was just a guy who could hit an occasional wide open three and can can guard positions one through four. Now he's a guy that's Gonna hit all his shots, and he can he can take you off the dribble. And another guy that I thought, you know, and I'm trying to go outside here. I'm trying to go outside of the lottery picks because yeah, no, all of those guys course. are exciting. Although I think Bagley's been underwhelming. Aside from that, all the guys have been pretty much what you expect. From Trey that. Young. Trey Young is exactly what I expected him to be. I thought that he was going to have a game where he goes one for 20, and then I thought that he was going to have a game where he pulled up and hit eight threes in a row, and that's, ex- you know, some fadeaway crazy J.J. Reddick shit. Yeah, and from that's the half-court ex- line. Exactly, yeah. and that's literally exactly what happened. Um, the guy who I think is really showing out is Knox. I think that people didn't expect this out of him, and I'm really glad they went with him over a guy like Porter where I got to wait for a year. Denver has the ability to wait for a year because they're talented and they have other guys that can fill that position until he can come and hopefully that talent comes to fruition. The Knicks don't have that kind of time, nor do I want to watch a guy that may lumber up and down the court at number nine because he's already got a back injury. Well, you spoke to it perfectly when we did the the draft recap. I mean, Michael Porter is the perfect player to draft at 14 due to his upside but also his risks. If he doesn't work out for Denver, no one's going to criticize them for taking him where they did. And, the, and not to mention the draft after Michael Porter, aside from Zaire Smith, um, kind of just fell off a cliff. Right. And then you have the Knicks at nine who, yeah, that pick would not have made sense with the guys still available on the board who are a lot more who who were a lot more safe but also had this not necessarily the same level of upside but right there. I mean – Kevin Knox is good. I, I think you're going to have a fun year watching him. Yeah, absolutely. And the last guy that I've just been watching, you know, through Summer League is uh, Javon Carter out of West Virginia. The guy was, um, you know, uh, kind of a guy where you're like, oh, that's Perry Ellis. Like, he's been, in, he's been playing college basketball for 15 years, whatever. But you know what? The guy is a, is a true, he looks like a true professional. He's already locking guys up on defense. He's making open shots. And he's a lot better of, than what he was criticized for, which is his ball handling and his playmaking. From what I've seen, he's done a really good job. Erdy inked a contract, so he's definitely going to be with the team next year. I think Memphis got themselves a steal with him in the second round. Hey, that could be the case. I mean, that's a very interesting offense that's run at West Virginia. They're known for their defense with Bob Huggins, so you know that that he's going to be – you knew his defense was going to be a reason why he stuck, but – 
there were times where his offense was really good at, at West Virginia and he could carry and he like you said you said the word professional that's always how I looked at him in the in big 12 play and in the NCAA tournaments um yeah I mean at a second round pick another guy who in the second round could be that story in the NBA where maybe Memphis isn't great but you you hear him playing and it's like wow like this guy can this guy can get to the rim this guy can make all the passes he's gonna play really tough perimeter defense um on any guard and there you go I mean why not but yeah I was interested to hear who you took away from because I know you've been watching a decent amount of the summer league and yep I I didn't really know who to look for outside of the lottery players I was really impressed with what I saw from Kevin Knox I was definitely honed in um the Nets didn't bring anybody amazing Jared Allen I was happy to see Jared Allen playing because he easily could have been like no I'm good I'm, I'm the starting center I'm fine and he looked really good in summer league is it because he was a year older and had already done it and had played a full pro season Maybe, but he looked he, his offensive game looked a lot more polished. So I was happy to see him. There was nobody else outside of the Nets and the Knicks that I really watched. So it was interesting to get your take on that. Yeah, man. I mean, I, I'm excited for this season. I, you know, it's nice to not it'll have, be here before we know it too for three months. Yeah, and, and it's nice. I don't want to say it's nice to not think of your team as a playoff team because that's not true but it's nice to not have false hope with Melo and even last year with the Knicks when they make up when they made all those free agent signings you know you think you're going to slide in as a six seven eight seed this year you go in with the expectation that you're going to get better and that you're still going to be in the lottery and you know you got homegrown guys that might actually be good instead of throwing money at these bullshit free agents and it's the same thing for the Nets Nets a little different story because they've been terrible for a while but you know you're starting to see a light at the end of the tunnel which is always a positive yeah and I think that's where the Knicks want to be I mean I I certainly would never make the false claim that people look to the Nets to see what they're doing because it's just you know the name carries so much negative connotation but Sean Marks and Kenny Atkinson are two of the most highly respected names and from where they've come from from the coaching ranks and the general manager ranks I mean Marks from San Antonio and and Atkinson from Atlanta from Budenholzer staff who was obviously a, a disciple of Popovich so um Having that respectability, we said when the Knicks uh, hired Fisdale, right? Like, you want to have stability and you want to have a good reputation in the league, around the league, for a couple of things. One is, are you going to make the right personnel decisions? Are you in the news for the right reasons, not the wrong reasons? And are you developing the young talent that you have the opportunity to take? I wouldn't be surprised if there's a couple young players who fall out of favor with their organizations this year and the Knicks take the next approach and, and sign them or trade for them. You know, guys that wouldn't take it too much because those low-risk, high-reward guys who you could help build a culture, well, they did last year. I mean, they brought Trey Burke up from the G League. He played real well. They took a chance on Moutier. He didn't really pan out, but you know what it was certainly worth the risk uh for what they traded i think that was in the mcdermott trade if i'm not mistaken and then um you know they have uh mario zonia yeah zonia who was the former number five pick i believe of the orlando magic correct in 2015 yeah so you know a lottery pick who fell out of favor with his organization Uh, the knicks are very guard heavy but some of those guys are not going to stick and and now you have scott perry working with steve mills and you have David Fisdale, who's going to be able to look at these players through a, through a new lens and, and say, hey, uh, I like the way you play, and I'm going to give you every opportunity. Another reason you said there will be no Jarrett Jack taking the bulk of the minutes this year. There will be no 
Uh, I think if, if Tim Hardaway Jr. plays respectably, they're going to look to trade him again. Um, I could see him being a piece for, uh, we know LeBron loves those veterans. Maybe in the middle of the year, if he's playing well, Courtney Lee too, and Enos Cantor as well, that you know, you're not going to get a lot for, but you're going to be able to unload and Josh, wait. Josh Hart maybe or something. You're not going to get Alonzo for him. Right. Whatever. Yeah, Even but, you but get they, a young they're going to be in those that position. And I think as a fan, you know, having gone through it with my team in the last few years, and now you get to see it, is you have a lottery pick who is exciting from his summer league performance. He looks like he can do everything on the court well. He's going to have an opportunity to play a lot. You're going to be able to see Frank Nittlekina take those next steps and not have to worry about him seeing the bench because he didn't run a play right. Um, you're going to be able to see, okay, well, do we like Moutier? No. Do we like Burke? Yes. Um, we're going to give Mario Hazenga uh, a chance to play, Herzonia uh, a chance to play. There's a lot to be excited about and and if you're a bad team that's what you want to see you want to see player development if the Knicks can establish that kind of resume and that kind of pedigree across the landscape of the NBA they will be a desirable team to go to because they have the name brand recognition they play at the Mecca in in Madison Square Garden they sell out every night no matter how bad they are they're always going to be an attractive destination particularly if they're not a circus yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, listen, I've said enough about the owner, um, but hopefully if they can circumvent that and he starts staying out of it like he does the Rangers, then, you know, I, I there I go talking hockey again. Um, you know, I, I think that... You just that named the team. You didn't talk hockey. They're, they're, they're definitely in a lot better hands. So, I mean, that, that'll pretty much wrap it up. Uh, you got MLB All-Star break, so it's super, super quiet time right now in sports for the next week. Um, hopefully the trade deadline spices things up a little bit. Uh, the home run derby is about to cap off right now. It looks like Bryce Harper's having himself um, a pretty good day. But aside from that, there's really not much else going on in sports. Will you check out the All-Star game tomorrow? Um, I'll probably record it and just fast forward through it, which is what I'm probably going to do with the home run derby. I got it recording right now. Yeah. So I'll probably just fast forward through all the I'd commercials. I'd like to see Severino pitch. He'll pitch after sale tomorrow. Yeah, I, I'll probably, you know, watch everybody's at bat and whatever and just, you know, might even watch it on 1X, fast forward and just see what's going on. But aside from that, I really don't care. Yep. You know, there was an extra innings one a couple of years ago that was kind of fun and the bull, everybody had almost played. Um, but that was at the old Yankee Stadium. Yeah, that one was fun, and then there was a few others. But aside from that, I really don't care. It's yeah. more just time for me to catch up on shows and do whatever else. But um, Subway Series this weekend. Yes, that that should be fun. That should be a sweep. Um, but aside <laughs> from that, yeah. Careful what you um, say. Sean and I alluded to it earlier, um, but now I'll say it for real. We do have a website out now that actually has stuff on it. Um, I wrote a little bit of an about page, and Sean wrote a very, very in-depth article breaking down some trade deadlines, leading us up into the newest one. It is sorrysports.com. Um, that's pretty much it. I mean, if you can't spell that, then you shouldn't be looking at that website anyways. <laughs> uh, that's really all I have to say about that. So I guess I'll talk to you next week, my man. Yeah, buddy. Sounds good.